Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women on how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwitit.org. Hello, and welcome to Get Wit It Podcast. Today we have my girl, Angela Lopez, is my um, guest Side ammunition. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And um, Chris, you're going to have to help me on the last name, Volpe? Uh, that, yeah, that's the, the Italian, Volpe. That's, but me, it's been Americanized me, to Volpe. 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 I like Volpe better. And um, along with Chris. It means he, fox. Oh, does it? Foxy. Wow, foxy. Along with Chris, he's brought a, um, a special guest with him, baby girl. You won't hear much out of her. No, she's, Maybe. she's not very loud. And no. she's kind of tuckered out right now. She, we've overexhausted the dog. So she's a cute. What kind of dog is it? Uh, she is a Yorkie Poodle mix. We yes. we found her about three years ago. What, is that how big it's going to stay? Yep. She's seven and a half pounds. I'm supposed to put her on a diet if she gets to eight. Seven and a half pounds and you need to put her on a damn diet? At eight. At, at eight, eight, pounds. eight pounds? Oh, my God. It would never work for us. Well, yeah. <laughs> As I would sit here and drink my beer and eat my cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so, the true me. All right, so Chris, we want to know all about Chris and his company and all the cool things you do. Sweet. Go. Go. <laughs> you want to give you every, everything right now? Just this onslaught just, what, of information. What do you do? What do you, you know, you, you started like, the company. Who are you? you? You started a company, right? Are you from mm-hmm. Columbus? From I am. the area? Yeah, born and raised? Uh, so I was born here, but my dad was in the Navy. So born here, then we moved around. I lived in the Philippines for a little bit, Rhode Island for a little bit, and we came back. Okay. So Columbus is home, has mm-hmm. been home, always will be home. Woo woo! Can I get an OH? No, no, you're not a Buckeye. Uh, I, I was, I was waiting. She seemed like she had something really. She's from Michigan. Imp- that's important why. Important to say. She's okay. from Michigan. Oh, okay. So Io. Oh, thank you. So I'll eat. My I'm gonna, cookie. I'm gonna interrupt because this seems like a sort of uh, trash can on fire train sort of a moment here. But uh, we went out. Uh, I'm a photographer, uh, mm. and I do road trips every so often. I need a photographer. Okay. I don't side note. I I don't do like commercial photography. I just do it as a thing now. But I can get you a photographer if you With want. With you and your Apple phone? No. Oh. I have a real camera. It's nice. Okay. I believe you. But anyway, we went up to uh, road trip, we went up to um Wisconsin and we were in Madison and uh, we just pulled in, it's like late at night, got some food. And uh the waitress asked us where we're from. We're like, "Oh, from Columbus, Ohio." And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." I'm like, why? Like, that seems like a weird thing to say, right? Uh, and so she's just, oh, yeah, yeah, from Ohio. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay. So we paid. Then we went out and we were at a bar and someone else asked us, you know, where are you from? I'm like, oh, we're on a road trip from Columbus, Ohio. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, what? Like, is there something wrong with Columbus? There is. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. And then we went to another place uh, and this was like one in the morning. Everyone's drinking. We're at a bar and we're talking to this other woman. And uh, same thing, asked us where we're from. She said Columbus, Ohio. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, I, I got I to have to stop and ask you. Like, this is the third time we have heard this. Why do you keep saying that? And she's like, oh, you know, because of the rivalry. I'm like, 
what are you talking about? What rivalry? And she's like, you know, the OSU Wisconsin rivalry. I'm like, what? I'm like, I, I hate to tell you, but like, she, that's not a thing. She's no. like the football rivalry. I'm like, no, our rival is Michigan. I don't know who the hell your rival exactly. is, but it's not us. Yeah, but like, apparently Wisconsin has this rivalry against us. Everybody does. That we just are not aware of. Do you know of. that? Everybody thinks like when they play OSU, it's like their rivalry, except Michigan State because the Michigan-Michigan State is the rivalry. But technically, Wisconsin and Nebraska would be the rivalry. Okay. Or like Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. Like that kind yeah, of thing. That's a ri- that's rivalry. a real rivalry. Yeah. Because yeah, like, like, they're like, Dueling states, they're you know like that's I just, real. I don't think you can have a rivalry if half the people know in it about it don't know about it. <laughs> that's true. We that agree. True. <laughs> I I am totally on board with you on that one. Yes. So anyway, we, we don't have the rails there. That I apologize. It's all good. It's we're all allowed good. to do hey, that. Listen, we're we take where we go okay. on the on this podcast. We take where we go. Okay, so Angie. All right. Um, so back to Columbus. So yes. we're in Columbus. Uh, what were you, like, when did you start this company? I mean, what drove you? What were you doing before? Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, I technically didn't start this company, mm. uh, which I put in there because I was at OSU. I've been at OSU for a long time or had been at OSU for like 13 years. And I was not attending work. Yeah, I was going to say so I was I was attending and work. I, I have served many a spot. Okay. Oh, okay. So I have three degrees from OCU. I work there. And <laughs> I was going to say capacities. your poor parents paying that tuition. Bill. No, I, I paid all I paid all my tuition. <laughs> okay. Wow. Right. So what are the degrees? I have a bachelor's in fine arts photography. Okay. I have a master's in public health and a master's in health administration. Ooh, okay. So I started in art, and then afterwards, I just got really interested in um, healthcare, and so I kind of went back for pre-med. Mm-hmm. And while I was at pre-med, the Department of Public Health had a class that was normally a master's level class. They opened it up for undergrads, and I was like, ah, oh, I'll take this. It seems kind of cool. And I just like really fell in love with it. And then the next semester, they had another class, and so I just ended up taking these classes, and I applied for grad school. And while I was doing the public health, I decided to do a dual um, – administration degree too so i just kind of fell into it okay so so where did gaming come from like so, where yeah that's like, so random how so, i mean art i could make a parallel way but we went down the path <laughs> of healthcare, and then where did gaming come from yeah so i will fully admit that i have a weird path and it's not one that someone should follow particularly if they're interested in student loan debt but I, i've just i've always loved games we, we talked about you know atari and stuff earlier uh, my first console was a ColecoVision that my dad bought me when I was in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But what was going on is uh, towards the latter part of my time at OSU, I was trying to do some development projects. And so I was kind of looking around at different dev groups. And I found this group called COG, the Central Ohio Game Dev Group. I sent them an email just kind of asking what this thing was about. And I decided to go to one of their meetings. And while I was there, there were just all these like talented, passionate people, super excited about stuff. And... I mean, I, I ended up talking like one guy, he like talked my ear off for like two hours and it just, it seemed like it made more sense for me to be a part of them than it did just like grab developers and kind of take them out. So I just started coming to this group, you know, more and more often and multivarious, which was multivarious games at the time, it was started to be sort of the commercialization arm of the community group to help, you know, move products into, into the market. Like startups, like encouraging startups and yeah, people yeah. to kind of get on their feet and mm-hmm. move it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the idea. But like, because it was, you know, a, a once a month thing and, and people had their other jobs, like nothing really happened. So I got brought on in, was it, it was like May of 2012 okay. as the COO to kind of help 
organized. So I ended up like slashing and burning projects, reorganizing, kind of putting things together and focus. It was like there were a lot of people just doing a lot of stuff, right? And and nothing was really getting finished. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone was more than welcome to work on their own stuff as part of the community. But from the multivarious games perspective, I was like, we need to focus on like one thing. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. And so uh, I was doing that for a little bit. And then later on in that year, the CEO decided to to step away. He was having a new baby and, you know, family stuff and job changes. So I just kind of moved into that position. And I just really kind of clamped down on, okay, this is what we need to do. This is where we need to focus. And let's, at that time we were meeting like, you know, it was like one Saturday a month. Then it started becoming that Saturday a month plus every Wednesday. Then we started adding every Saturday to it. And before that, you know, we just were meeting multiple times every week to make stuff happen. So you're, you're at a period of time in your career where you've got this really exciting hobby, quote unquote, like really taking off and the energy and the excitement and the passion that's drawing you into increasing this gaming community. And then you've got this job in a large enterprise, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be giving you that thrill of that innovation and that grassroots feel. And it's just not... It's just not what you expected. So, so what happens then? Like, wh- how do you how do you make the decision to say I'm going ball to the wall, literally, and I am going to take a risk and a jump? I mean, clearly, at some point, you said safety and bureaucracy is not for me. Let me go and step into the light yeah. and take a leap of faith. Like, what made you decide that? Uh, so, yeah, I got fired. Oh. Okay, that always helps. (laughs) So you got pushed off the ledge. Okay, so you were in the nest, (laughs) and Mama Bird came, who was like, "See you later." So a more nuanced answer is that um, (laughs) there was a reduction in force for the department, and so I was in the first group. The department doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it doesn't exist. Yeah. So yeah, I was. There was a point in time where I was doing full time grad school, full time work at OSU, and full time multivarious. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I got, I got let go. It was before Thanksgiving. Mm. I had, I had accumulated like enough time to like get me through the rest of the year. Um, just cause I've been in OCU for so long and I was like, well, shit, like, what do I do? Right. You should have retired if you'd been there for over 10 years. Yeah. Well, I wasn't working that whole time. And here's, here's a thing that nobody told me is, so I was working full time for many, 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 many years. And then I switched over to a position in student life because I was doing something within the uh, the wellness center. Okay. Nobody told me that that transition killed my time oh. at that. So I, so I moved from like three months of money to like two weeks. Well, so let me ask this. So, so given your experience, I mean, aside from what ended up happening from a gaming perspective, I think a lot of women specifically in, in general make similar choices, right? Like because nobody's told them like what community, what career path to make. How, how looking back at that, how would you have, wh- who would you have needed to know to help you make that decision? Like to not make that right, the wrong career, career move, right? Yeah, that, that is a really good question. Did I stump you? Did I trap you? <gasps> no, you oh, oh, oh. no, you asked a great question. All right. All right. And, and honestly, I, I'm not quite sure. I think it was just one of those things where nobody thought about it. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was trying to like do me a disservice. No, no. Just I, nobody thought about it. No, and I didn't think about it. Yeah, you didn't. But do you think... I was moving from one full-time position to another, uh-huh. but it was in a different band and it was considered a it was considered a graduate student position, but it was completely that position was made up for me. But All it, right. So you're used to so you're <laughs> so you're so at this point in your career you're kind of molding this 
the, like this idea of creating your own destiny is is becoming more enticing to you than just the job description that you're going to fill. So this was yeah. a move towards a direction where you're creating a job. Like you, they created it for you. So this is this is kind of a new place for a lot of jobs in general, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you're in the startup entrepreneur sphere, like almost every job's created for you, right? Like you have to create your own sort of destiny. Um, but yeah, so, so like at, at that time, you know, a little bit before Thanksgiving, it's like, surprise, you're going to be let go. You're not going to have a job in a couple of weeks, right? And so I was like, well, what do I do? Like I've been, I've been doing this job. I've been doing this, uh, this business. And I decided because I had a couple of weeks to sort of think through it. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about it until after Christmas. I'm not going to make any decisions. Um, I have a lot of friends and contacts at OSU. And I was like, I'm not gonna make any decisions. I'm just gonna enjoy the holidays with my family. And then after like, it was literally, I think the 26th of December, I was like, I'm 30. I, I was like 30 or 31 at the time. Wasn't married, didn't have any kids. I'm like, I'm going to try this startup entrepreneur thing that everyone's talking yeah, like, about. So what's going through your mind in that moment, right? Like you're weighing the risks and you're just like, what were you weighing out? Right. Cause this is a big issue. I think that I know everybody faces, but I think especially w- women too, like how much risk can I absorb? And like, what, what was your fail safe? Like, what was your check to say? Like, I'm going for it. And my, my plan B is I don't care. Or what, what were you thinking? That's a great question too. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know what the, the tipping point was. Mm-hmm. Um, though there was somebody when I was at OSU. So my job when I was there was to talk to new companies, new technologies and see if there was a healthcare application for them. Didn't matter where the technology came from. Like, can we use this in healthcare in some way? And one of the people that we were working with owned a company out in California. We brought him in we were chatting with him. This older gentleman who was like in his mid seventies we were sort of talking to him and, and he was telling me a story back when he was in the early eighties and it was like, yeah, I was doing these things and we were trying some stuff. It's like, you know, cable wasn't really a thing and we were thinking about it. He's like, yeah, then I started HBO, MTV and Nickelodeon. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and he just sort of told this nonchalantly. But one of the things he said, cause he asked me my age when we were talking uh, and I was you know 30 or whatever. He's like, that is a great time to do, you know, to, to start a company or whatever. So that definitely went through my head as I was making this decision. But I don't see, I don't know if I made the smart decision though. Like looking back, maybe I did, but like at the time it's, it's just really hard. You can make any checklist you want, but I mean, there's no right answer like the, to it. Like it, it kind of sounds like there's a, like a, like a formula, right? Like the seeds had been planted all along and then here comes this major life event where, you know, you, you have to mm-hmm. jump and go into this venture on your own. Yeah. And and then you just kind of have to decide, like, am I going to keep going at it or am I going to try something? And Absolutely. if I fail, like, no big deal, right? Yeah. And I think there's definitely certain personality types that, and, and I don't know if that's necessarily gender specific or not, but there's definitely personality types. So, like, my fiance, software engineer at IBM, different life experiences than me, her risk tolerance is significantly lower than mine. Yes. I worked at IBM as well. I know all about those folks. Yeah. And, and like, she, she, <laughs> But she also, she likes what she does, but that's not like a central tenant of her life, right? Like she does her job, she does it well, and then she likes hanging out and taking care of people. She loves cooking and having events and and whatnot. For me, like I want kind of my day-to-day thing not to be the thing that facilitates the other stuff. Like I want my job to be something that has meaning to me. And, And so that's, I think, one of the reasons why I tried this. And you know, I made a decision like January 1st, uh, was that 2014? 
I'm just going to come in. We had an office at the Dublin Entrepreneurial Center who had been supporting us for years from our community perspective. But we didn't have, I didn't have any employees. We didn't have any clients. Like, I just showed up. I'm like, I'm going to treat this like my real-time job. Uh, because it was a reduction in force and I wasn't, like, fired, I was able to collect unemployment for six months. So, so you it, had a little cushion. Yeah. I mean, it, wasn't, it was like $1,600 yes. a month. Not yes. a lot, but, like, I can, I can make that work, right? I also talk about sort of risk. I cashed out my OSU retirement yep. and paid a giant penalty on that. Mm-hmm. But that allowed me to kind of make a couple more months work. And then let's see, we started in January. I think we had our first client in March okay. and another client in April. So, so we hadn't really talked about what your company actually does. Yeah. What, what do you do? I don't know. Why, we're just there. We're just, just no. there. They're just chilling. Yeah. I like. So what, what we do is different, I think, than what, uh, well, I guess maybe it's the same. I don't know. So we, we say we have like three pillars of stuff we do. So we have our internal stuff. We make our own games, apps, websites, whatever. We have our second pillar, which is our client services, where we try to make a lot of interactive experiences, uh, mobile apps, typically for larger companies. Um, so like MasterCard's a client. We just did a cool project for the Columbus Zoo. That is what sort of helps us exist and pays our bills and stuff. And we get to do a lot of uh, neat stuff, but we're also in the gaming VR, AR creative technology space, which is difficult to sort of create business cases for right now. We do a lot of cool stuff, but it's taken us a while to like move that engine and get things going. Then the third part's our community effort. So we have a cog, the the group that got me into it. Mm -hmm. We have sort of taken ownership of that. And, and with some of my team members, I've helped grow that I think when I came on, there was like 200 and some people. We're now over 1,500 so, members. So, okay. So, so given that you are, you know, essentially a startup and you have things to help, quote unquote, keep the lights on, mm-hmm. you know, how does being connected into the technical community here in Columbus help you just exist? And, and what do you, why do you think it's important for companies to have that link in the tech community. I mean, we have an awesome community and we'll, and we'll get back to what you were saying earlier about where Columbus is headed. Right. Uh-huh. But the tech community is, I mean, phenomenal. We like to brag about it a lot. We want to see like get with it specifically would like to kind of recreate a lot of what we have here in other cities, but you know, talk about how cog and you and the community kind of coexist and, and why you, why you guys need each other and, and how important it is to your business. Absolutely. So I think we are an outlier in many respects, but that's also a strength of ours. So I go to a lot of entrepreneur events, a lot of startup events. And like the number one thing everybody always asks for is talent, right? We need more talent. We need more developers or whatever. I don't have any problem finding talent. Like I have zero problem. And that's because we've cultivated our own talent pool. So because we're a part of this community, I can, if I need to ramp up two or three developers, I can just reach out to the community, find people, and I can usually find them at an hourly rate significantly lower than what you would get through a you know a talent placement company or whatever. Uh, so I mean it's been instrumental to us. And as we look to grow, you know, you ask us what we do. The main thing that we try to do is pretend that we are a movie studio trying to build a Hollywood. Like that is what we are. Like just like put put in your mind's eye. Like rewind a hundred years and somebody comes up to you and is like we want to make this place that makes these motion pictures and they're going to go out all over the world. And you'd be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever or heard. Or like Vegas. Right? Well, yeah. Well, Vegas is a perfect like example. In the middle of this adult playground in the middle of the desert. Yeah. yeah. So there is no, f- from a gaming, a pure gaming perspective, California, New York, 
Austin, Texas, a little bit in Atlanta, and then Canada are like the hubs. There is nothing real strong in the Midwest. Most of the mountain states in Central, there's nothing going on. What's so, it, so what is, I mean, from a gaming industry at large, like what is going on out there? Like what, what's the gaming industry like? Like what are the pillars? Like, and, and why are, what are we doing in Columbus as a Midwest, you know, just kind of even a regional thing that kind of plays into that or connects us to this larger ecosystem? Sure. That's like five questions. I, I got, I got them all. You I got them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the the big thing, if you're asking, like, what is the gaming industry like? The big thing is that there's been this sort of fracturing. So back in the day, there used to be a couple small studios, some more medium sized studios, and then some big studios. With the advent because, of things because like because gaming is a lot like movies. Yeah. Essentially, right? Like yeah, it's, absolutely. Gaming is, has a narrative. Gaming is mm-hmm. not just... Actually, the film industry is very similar to this now. Okay. So because of sort of the ubiquity of technology and distribution systems like the App Store for mobile, there's now a whole bunch of small studios and some big boys. There's like nothing in the middle now. And that's just... That's opened up the door for small people like us. So our, our studios, five full-time, six part-time people... We can put something out on the Apple App Store in a couple of weeks, and there's no cost to us. It's like $99 a year to register your company, and that's like nothing, right? And we can buy some software and stuff. If we were to do that 20 years ago, to get a license, let's just say we're going to make a PlayStation game, right? To I get- say, you would have totally have to, well, wait, 20 years ago, that was like Sega Genesis. Yeah, 20 years ago would have been, yeah, that would have been like the start of PlayStation and just, PS2 it stuff. It just came out, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, if we wanted a PlayStation developer kit, which is how you test and build on, it would have been a couple hundred thousand dollars. And if, and if we wanted Barrier to use... Barrier to entry. Exactly. Ex- oh, my God. Even... What year is this? 2018? Where are we? We're at um, 2018. Yeah. We're, we're uh, here even a few, a few years ago, like four years ago, we were looking to get a game engine, which is, in essence, like pretend Photoshop for, for games or whatever. We were looking at one called CryEngine, which is based in a company in Germany. And I was talking to them back and forth. They wanted 500,000 euros ooh, ooh, ooh. per game to license their engine. Okay, and what is that for our friends here in America? Like at least one and a half, sometimes two. Depending so yeah, on at, at, dollar, at that time dollar. it was over $700,000. Yeah. Okay. One and a half. It, yeah. Sometimes it goes to ha- twice and depends on when and where. But now what's happened because of these things like CryEngine almost doesn't exist anymore. They're, they're bankrupt. The other big ones are Unity and Unreal. You can get those on a subscription service from between I – mean, you can download it for free right now and work on it. And if you want to start subscribing, it ranges from like 50 to 100 bucks a month. So if you're on your own today, like from what I'm gathering, like if I decided like I'm going to build my own game, mm-hmm. are there – there sounds like – like I could do this or is it best in a team? Like, do you need a few people to kind of riff off of to be able to do it? Like, what is the skill set of a, like a, of a small yeah. gaming team or what do you need to? I mean, I always think it's better to, if you can properly manage and you work well together, mm-hmm. I always think a team's better. Mm-hmm. I, I Collaboration, think, transparency, yeah, communication. You, you get yep. n- new ideas. I mean, how we were working on this. So one of our games, Hatchet, which is on the iOS and, and Android store, we released that four years ago. I remember the time we were working on this problem and like we were sitting around the table and trying to figure it out. And our, one of our interns is just like screwing around the corner, like playing this game. And he's like, well, what if you did this? And we're like, son of a bitch. Like we all just stopped. <laughs> it, was, it was a simple, elegant solution that none of us had thought of. And so it's always good to have a team that can just sort of think through. God love those, those interns. Issues. I know. Gotta love them. Well, but I think there's an element to the startup too, where you're willing to listen to the interns, right? Cause I think in, in big business, 
we want bright in young people to help us Correct. innovate and everything. But as soon as we plug them in, it's kind of like comply and yeah. kind of lose that. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, th I think it's, it's really hard to know what you don't know. And it's even harder to be willing to step aside and listen. And you don't have to take, I always say like, be open and listen. Like you don't have to do whatever the thing is they're saying, but like you can at least sit there and process it for a second. All right. So now this is like the big million dollar question, given that we are in Get With It podcast. I was just going to say, when are we going to talk yes. about the women? Yeah. Please. Yeah. Hit me up. So, so uh, without putting you on the spot. Put me on the spot, please. Uh, do you have any women employed? Yeah. Yeah. We're actually, so of our six owners, three are women. Hey. Oh, nice Can job, I'm like buddy. giving you like a high five from over here. And a hot wow. Oh, wait, do we, have, we have seven owners. Yeah, seven owners. Okay, but, okay, three, but that's still so good. Yeah. That's, that's so we good. We like that. We, uh, you just totally earned like serious brownie points right now. Okay. Yeah. So were they together from the start? Like how did they kind of come on board? You know, what's the difference? What kind of what kind of elements do they bring to the table? Or is it not even gender specific? It's totally just about the personality um, and the knowledge. Yeah. So the, the first, you know, Rewinding back to when I was starting this this thing and we didn't have any money coming in, no plan of anything. Uh, the first person we hired was uh, Tom. And we I literally hired him, I think, three weeks before he graduated. And so, like, he was – he managed to, like, weave in what we were doing into his graduation plan. But, like, he was doing both things at the same time. I don't know how he did it. But then we brought on – one of our interns actually was Laura Lee. Uh, she was an intern and she just – was awesome. And so I brought her on. Um, she developer? As, she or? is a 3D modeler and, okay. and Unity generalist. Which okay. Is, and then Tom, what? Tom is a developer. Yeah. He's okay, a programmer. So it's kind of like mixed. So what, what are you guys like Java? What kind of, what kind of language do you guys from a, just a hard code kind of like framework are you guys working on from a sure. language? So um, in general, we tend to do C sharp, JavaScript and C++. Okay. As a, just like a high level. But I mean, we also HTML5, CSS, PHP, all the fun stuff. Yeah. And then so the 3D modeling piece comes into play really nice because you get to design the experience, right? And the whole, yeah. it just kind of ups, not just the development capabilities, but it adds that wow factor, right? Yeah. So the, the 3D modeling is essential when we're making, um, so like the app we did, we just did with the zoo, they're having these baby drafts. Two baby drafts are going to be born, hopefully soon Yee! here. So we modeled out the drafts and animated them and put textures on them and fur and everything. So that that's really important to anything in the 3D space and the VR space. Okay. So like if you like, I don't know, I've just seen my son play Halo and it's like, you know, you mm -hmm. got that three kind of... Yeah, those are all 3D models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to have that. Or like, a, I think, I don't know where I saw it was like Tony Hawk. Like he put all these like feeler things on him and they watch him do his skateboarding things and they mm -hmm. kind of model his movements oh, yeah. against yep. that. Like Fortnite. My kids play Fortnite. I, uh, that's the new stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah. It's new, 23. New Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite's making an amazing amount of money. Well, yeah. Insane. Well, makes me so, want to rip my hair out. Fun fact though is Fortnite is developed by Epic. Epic owns the Unreal game engine. So you have a Unity game engine, Unreal. So... Epic's sort of cornering the market on a lot of stuff in, mm. in some interesting ways, but that's going down the nerd rabbit hole. Well, the gaming. Oh, we like to. We like to geek it out. Yeah. yeah, we like to geek out. We do. Um, and and so that's just it. So in the gaming industry, like, what is geeking out? Like, what what do you guys consider? Because I know like just business application developers and mm -hmm. and 
to a degree like fintech folks like in their bitcoin and all that stuff like oh yeah what, what is geeking yeah what's geeking out for gamers like what do you guys do? i mean i don't i or think gals guys and gals clearly because you got yeah, a lot of women. Guy, you, you guys, got, guys gals non-binary yeah. uh, uh, we we as an industry i i don't even think we can answer that question anymore because so i'm 37 i think pretty much anyone 35 and below is just been born with gaming in their system. So to ask like the difference between gamers and non-gamers is almost a non-question right now. Well, I mean, so what's the difference though? Okay, showing my age, 41, like growing up with Atari and then Nintendo and Sega and then mm-hmm. seeing my son go through PlayStation and Xbox 360 and all that kind of stuff. I mean, to a degree, I mean, aren't I a gamer too? You are? Essentially. Well, so I think at one point you were talking no, about... No, you're not. Oh. You don't play. I go to, to Do you play stuff 16-bit... On your phone? No, I don't because I am too busy marketing and having a conversation that's pro- that's with the probably, community for Get With It. That's, that's the good. game I play. But but that was what you were just talking about. Like, <laughs> every, is everything a game? <laughs> like you said, what is the line between gaming, right? Like, is it a game or is it not? Like, I mean, well, what is yeah, the man, difference? Where were you at? Where, where, what was that conversation Are we, are we getting meta- metaphysical? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you mentioned it before. Like, where's the barrier? Where's the boundary? That's I don't know. True. I, don't, I, don't, I honestly do not believe there are any barriers or boundaries outside of the laws of physics. I think that a lot of people put so. How do I phrase it? I mean, so we, gaming's borrowing from 3D, like like it's art, it's music, it's movies, it's a lot of things, and yeah, um, user uh, UI UX. It's all just blending. Development. Absolutely. Right? So so where do you see like business applications? Not just marketing, promotional stuff. Like where do you see the elements of gaming creeping into the business world? I mean, so healthcare is a big space for that. So we did a VR app for upper extremity injury. Ooh. Earlier, so that that's being used by clinicians. It has a Amazon backend to it. It's an, I mean, in essence, it's an enterprise solution. You just wouldn't think of it sort of that way. We've done. We did a project with Nationwide Children's Hospital. Like we do lots of uh, lots of things that you could consider an enterprise solution, but we sort of added a, an extra layer on well, top of it. So it sounds like you're able to to help businesses innovate through gaming. Right, like the mm-hmm. co- the con- the the builds of game of the gaming industry, like the three D design, um, giving an experience, you know, creating a reality, creating a different realm, if you will, helping kind of give a different perspective. Right. Yeah. And so, is that where you see like software in general going? So I fully acknowledge that, like, I'm a weirdo, and and there's I com- no weirdos in technology. No, why why would you say weirdo? Well, I just I I, I feel like people like to categorize and constrain things in well, ways. I think it's buckets to help understand. Yeah, right? I so call it mental buckets. Exactly, H- humans like to put things into buckets so yeah, that it helps like us what they do a- explore understand. the world. Yeah, but also some of those things can be limiting in a lot Absolutely. of ways. So I have many a conversation with people. I'll talk about gaming, and I just see their eyes gloss over it, right? Because their mental bucket is. 16-year-old kid sitting around playing games, right? That's true. But they don't think about, like, just in the entertainment sphere, the vast majority of games, like, um, there's a game called Gone Home. Gone Home projects itself as a horror game. Like, a, nobody's at home. you got to figure out what it is. But that game is actually a narrative adventure about a young girl working through her sexuality. And that's not something that you would sort of think of just off the bat, right? And so there's all these opportunities. Paper, please, is another great – we're talking about all this immigration policy and building walls and such. Um, Papers, please is a game where you play as a border patrol agent, and you have to decide who gets into your country and who doesn't. And the only thing you have to go by is their photograph 
and the information that's on the paper is provided to you. And some of them are just refugees trying to get into your, your country. Others are terrorists trying to do you harm. And you just have to make the best decision you can with imperfect information, right? So there's a lot of like interesting new things that are coming out in this space that just aren't running around shooting people. So so how do you see, on that same note, how do you see for inclusion and diversity, specifically around women, how do you see women being added into the whole mix? He's got this really nice flyer. Yes, I flyer. see. I, I do have, uh, yeah, we have a flyer. We'll talk about that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I think that, um, and this I can't remember if I sent you the article about... Um, girl young girls coding and and putting their themselves into the narrative Um, no you didn't um i'll 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 find that article and send it to you i thought it was really interesting but the cool thing about this break between the big companies and the small companies is that all these small companies are one to three maybe five people they have this now this door to put their experiences out into the world just like uh, we sort of saw with um, book publishing maybe 15 years ago where independent uh, authors could put things out we're seeing something very similar in the gaming space and so if you have some coding knowledge maybe you have a friend that can help you with art or you can find someone in the community and whatnot you can put any story you want out there and it doesn't have to be super complex it doesn't have to be again our buckets right we get trapped in what we see on tv so we expect these giant spectacles of experiences but like Every movie doesn't have to be Marvel's Avenger, right? It doesn't have to be a three-hour, half-a-billion-dollar extravaganza. We could just have these moments, these quiet moments or these personal moments or whatever. I, so I, I think that that's, that's a very exciting time for our industry to see all of these people. And because of that, we are seeing the rate of um, women developers and women game designers is going up every year. Before we talked, the ratio of gamers is about 60-40 men, women, just people who play games, which is vastly different than it was a decade ago. Game developers is about 90-10, so we got a lot of room for improvement here, but we're seeing that every year increase year over year. What are the things that are drawing women? I mean, obviously, barrier to entry is is low, Mm -hmm. sounds like. What other things, like being able to express creativity, the interest in the matter, like the narrative? Like, what are the things that that you've seen even just with the women that work for you that are really drawing them? What are the, what are the things that they're passionate about that are drawing them in? Yeah. I mean, that's a very, that's a very large question. Um, I I mean, I think it's a very personal thing as well. So um, we, we have lots of people coming from lots of different areas in our community that are just, they're trying to find just like anybody else. They're trying to find their place in the world. They're they're trying to find the things that give them meaning. Um, And I always say like, if something is interesting to you, it's going to be interesting to other people, right? I think a lot of us, all of us are trying to navigate how do you use, in our case, technology, gaming as a medium to tell your story or to, to make things that are interesting to you. I, I met with the, the Black Hat guys yesterday. Ryan Frederick? Uh, uh, I, I do know Ryan. No, I met um, Bruce and Brandon. Oh. But I, I didn't mean them, but I had a meeting with them. But they're, they're talking about wanting to get you know, young African-Americans involved in development and whatnot. And one of the things that we were talking about was like, it turns out, if you can believe it, that young black men like playing video games. So that Never now becomes anything like that I know, before. That now becomes an avenue to get them excited into, into something. And now you're thinking about coding. Like a lot of it's just making that little connection. You're like, wait, I can make this? Like I can, yeah, I can learn see, coding? I could see where that would be your constraint, right? Like, just 
the pure fact that we don't have enough women in tech to begin with, and then to have this portion of technology, gaming, creating games, like I would have never, when I was 18, 19 years old, playing my Atari and Nintendo to be like, damn, I wonder how I can make these games, yeah. right? Like I, I never would have had that thought. Well, you also weren't ever a woman in tech until about a year and a half ago. Exactly. But <laughs> I mean, let's... We converted you, Elizabeth, <laughs> if you recall. But I'm but, just saying, as a, a mis- female... It was a misthought, correct, to your point. Because, like, who's to say that... And that's why STEM is so big in school. But I don't, I don't know... Like, I, I have a 12-year-old daughter. And I was telling her that I was talking to you today. And that you were, like, this gaming guy and blah, 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 blah. And she was like... Oh, is that like a real thing? Is that a real job? It is and a I real was thing. like, well, I think that's, do that, you know, well, first of all, women generally, like we think about what's a real job, nurse, teacher, exactly, you know, and now the, the, the scope is getting bigger yeah. d- d- for the engine, but even still like seeing and being interactive, like they use their phone, like it's nothing, but understanding that they could build this is Absolutely. like a light year away, right? Yeah, like she was in the STEM program. She took part of phone and she put it back together and learned how the applications all worked and whatnot. But when I That's said, more than I know. What I said to her was, she's a nerd. It's all right. I can say it. Um, we like to say geek. Nerds, geek. nerds are like the socially, but geeking is just I, smart she's and cool. Nerd. I think she's cool. Within the gaming <laughs> space, like, and that's funny. We talked about growing up or whatever. Like when I was growing up, gaming was a straight nerd thing and that was not a positive comment now nerd culture is like that's looked at I mean, there's so many events around nerd culture there's so much money involved in nerd culture i call it geek culture geek, geek. i know you like to say geek out i mean like personally like not only did i have a trs 80 but my dad had like king's quest and mm-hmm. then i also may have played laser suit larry yeah that game's um, awesome yeah oh my god here <laughs> it's, we it's go. con- that is a game that cannot be made today but I, it so is something special I let mean, me ask you something as a child i may have been playing laser suit lady larry which which kind of explains a lot yeah, yeah. actually now that you say i can't <laughs> um i'm gonna look the other way actually <laughs> um so let me ask you this please you have this big gaming expo i do and who is the focus of this um so we don't really have a focus. So there's no age. Well, how about what is the gaming expo? Yeah. Like what's going to be there and who should go? Let's say that. Yeah. So th- this is always the problem we have on the branding side of things because we are, we're a very broad, diverse group. So our, if, if you break it down, our biggest age group is 18 to 25, followed by 26 to 35, followed by 13 to 18. So we skew. Do you notice our age group was not in there? Yeah. We skew younger. I'm um, not in there. Speak for yourself. I've rebranded to 30. Oh, yeah. have you? Yes. Yeah. Shit, I rebranded over 50. <laughs> um, but we we have a lot of different people. So we kind of break it down. If you're interested in game development design, you want to maybe get a career out of it or you want to make your own stuff, we have sessions and, and whatnot for you. Or if you just like games and gamer culture, we've got tons of stuff to do too. Right, like strategies for certain games and like appro- approaches or just it, like introductions to new games? Like it's, it um, it's more about the sort of thoughtful critiquing and ah, designing of games. Like in movies, right? Like so if you go to a movie festival, you can be like the person just enjoying mm-hmm. the whole mil- music f- or the film festival of it. Or you could be critiquing it right like yeah. having that discussion like i love how they made this construct but they should have done this and the story mm-hmm. didn't quite 
you know, reach to what I yeah. expected. And so so take of, take that and then add like the technical element on top yeah. of it. So like how, you know, in the case of like you're watching something by Alfred Kitchock, right? Like, you know, you're looking at the visuals, you're critiquing the, the or narrative. Like Marvel like, X-Men, right? Like there's a lot of critiquing around the Marvel X-Men movies. There like is. there's a lot like that shouldn't happen. That didn't happen in the, in the book. It didn't do this. Right. So that, that's, that's part of the, uh, yeah, that's part of the nerd culture I'm not a big fan of. Oh, really? I mean, I just I understand. We're, I mean, we're going down a rabbit hole here. It's well, like wait. it's like Star Wars. So I firmly believe that as a society, a global society, we are completely incapable of properly critiquing a Star Wars movie. Like we are just not able to do it. It just because it, we don't even space travel now. So how therefore? No, I just think we we have entered into a space where like. There's a certain in order to properly critique something, you have to be objective and rational and you have to be able to move back from it and talk about it. Star Wars is just one of those things that we as a society cannot seem to talk about. Yeah, Harrison Ford's a hottie. I just can't walk away from that. Like I'm probably not the best to be rude. Well, but I, I'm conf- um, I'm just confused. I know this is a rabbit hole. However, I'm confused about why. Is it because we never knew anything like Star Wars before it existed, and therefore, what what is the foundation? It, it's become it's it, it's. I th- it's its own subculture. Yeah, it's its own subculture. Okay. It's become so ingrained. So the original Star Wars movies are ingrained in people our age. Mm-hmm. The next set. And I those, like that you the, said and, our age. That was nice of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm 37. What, were you four years different? I don't know. No. Uh, did you seven, just say Because 40? I rebranded to four 30, remember? Four years different. Oh. <laughs> I, I rebranded to 30, remember? So, so now we're seven, seven years, years different. Yes. Yeah. That happened overnight. With me being the old man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, but so, but so, okay. So let's talk about subcultures in the in the thinking, right? Sure. So, so, and this like, blends in very well. So I'm sorry, I mean, this blends in very well with the. Um, so there's the GamerGate, Me Too, and Toxicity bundle, which this bundles into as well. So, no, ask your wow. question first. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I, I'm throwing. You see, you, wow. see. Normally, I ask the complex questions, but now you that just threw was... out a complex answer. So now I'm throwing out the fishing pole, and we got to. But you got to ask the question words. first. But yeah, we need I to know what those are. Those three words: toxicity, and what oh, were so, the three words? Yeah. I don't even remember so what you just said. There's the Me those Too movement, words. right? Is one well, part of it. Well, Me Too. Okay, okay, I know that. Then there is GamerGate. Which wait, you should probably start back. Maybe now our listeners don't know the Me Too. Well, let's have our male guest explain me too. That would be interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm on the spot. Yeah. So uh, I guess oh, I, I, there is no way you've not talked about this on this podcast. But we have we have not actually. Really? I mean, we're on like podcast. Well, this is number. Um, you're number four. Oh, sweet. You know, Chris, you should have done your research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we haven't gotten there. Okay. But, but that's so I, I actually, I you can be first. I feel bad because over the next two weeks, like I've been so busy with GDEX planning. I know because I have, I've been giving you a hard time. about I have this. not appropriately been. I had a meeting before this, and like I didn't look up anything about. Did this. you Wait, drink we, before that? We really before understand. the meeting or at the meeting? At the meeting, I drank at the meeting. Nice not, job. Not before the meeting. <laughs> we really understand all the pressures about oh, building a conference. You. We, we do. Well, so okay, so you named three things: Me Too, GamerGate, and Toxicity. Yes. Me Too. Go. So I'm. Let's let's do it in reverse because Me Too is the newer of the oh of the oh game. all right okay, all right we go. go so well so GamerGate we could talk for hours about GamerGate but um, I mean, let's define it first because I've not actually heard so it. in essence is it, there's a lot of nuance in here but in essence what happened is that um, there were some female game reviewers in like places like IGN GameSpot like high profile magazines right 
that also happen to be little caricatures or whatever in games, right? And then it became this big... I don't know if you can swear on this podcast. Yeah, can. Okay, so it became this big shitstorm of how... You know, how can a review site properly review a game when a member of the review staff is in the game? So it's like, how can the New York Times properly review nice. this movie because this this writer is in the movie, right? It was a total nonsense thing. Right. You know, any legitimate news outlet is going to have objectivity. It's going to have editorial control. It's going to have all these things. But it became this, this, this big back and forth between... Um, so it was fake news before fake news was a thing? Sort of, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, Gamergate, it, it, Gamergate is essentially the original fake news. It kind of is. Gamergate is just like it's total, it's total garbage. It's people were arguing that these news sites cannot be objective because they have people in them, and the, the sites are like, no, we can, we're capable of having somebody like in their free time go and be on a game and have it not impact the reviews of the game. And they're like, well, how can we trust you now? Because, you know, you're, you're going to review this game and you're giving it a 9 out of 10. Like, how do we really know it's a 9 out of 10? Mm-hmm. But it was, this, it was this really underlying um, sort of anti-women so, sentiment, really, so, is what it was. Okay, so about what time period are we talking here? So this Maybe was probably... 20 years? To, oh, no, no, no. This was, this was less, I would say, 2010 to 2012. Oh, okay, so... Yeah. But also, I might be off because my brain is mush right now. It's, but it's okay. Have more to drink. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, but it, it just became this like this really sad thing that. Um, so you found like the, it was a it was like fake news in that it's discrediting females in the industry. Kind of, it's like we, they were on the rise and then all of a sudden, kind of taking a nosedive because of this, or just a lot of people in general, not specific to female. Um, so I don't know if it necessarily had to do with women being on the rise mm-hmm. in the industry. Mm-hmm. Just more a sense of like. Is this like, what we've come to? Yeah. Like, okay. I, I love my community, right? Yeah. But I think that the internet, and this goes into the toxicity thing. Yeah. The internet, one of the byproducts of it is the ability to create toxic conversations. And there's no remedy to fix that, right? Like, you cannot stop, you know, 10,000 jackasses from flooding the, the forums with whatever, right? It's just There's no mechanism to do that. And that's that's unfortunately something that happens in the game industry a lot because people in the game industry tend to be more tech savvy than others. So they have the mechanisms and the knowledge to be able to be pains. So like my mom, for example, they're more critical. They're more they're more overly sounds like 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 everybody's mother. They turn into their mothers and then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, that is just not good enough. That'll never do. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely definitely part of it. But I but it's again, it's it's a vocal minority of people. But that vocal minority knows how to use the technology. But is it ego? Is it ego or what drives that? Um, It's probably it's probably a combination of ego uh, in some senses. Male ego? It tends to be it tends to be more male. Yeah, because when Absolutely. you think about it, gate like gamers in general, you said we're sixty forty. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, we made the Hollywood reference, right? And I just like Kardashians and all the you know the Kanyes and people just you know dissing people, Tupac, right? Biggie. I mean, like I mean, show business is show business, and I wonder how much of the game you know given the technical environment, but then also it's kind of show business, right? Like it. Yeah. It also has that element to it. So how much is hype for the hype of it? And how much is it like total ego geekdom? Like, like, like we've interviewed other 
technical, where we'll interview other technical people. But if you work in a technical environment, there's a lot of ego, a lot of pride in people's solutions in development, right? Like that's Correct. just exists. That's a culture that exists. So it's kind of like you take that pride plus add some show business. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to get a feel for gaming. And, and I don't know if I've touched it. Yeah, well, I think the issue is, is that the toxicity is generally coming from people who have no station or stature in the industry so they have no they may have internal pride but like nobody knows who they are and like they're not they're not a part of the industry in any meaningful way so it's not like cisco and ebert two thumbs up two thumbs yeah, down th- this like, isn't like cred, like they have the street cred to be able to do it right these are just people flooding the gates with like Reddit yeah this isn't like an anderson is cooper haterade. kelly on conway kind of this thing. is like haterade in a massive yeah. proportion okay yeah and again i th- i think it's you know there's even us again, our generation, there's sort of this sentiment since we didn't grow up with a lot of this technology infused in our brains and our livelihood that like, you know, we can just let it go. Right. Like you don't have to respond to every Facebook post. I know. You know, what's really funny that my daughter's school posted. This is hilarious. Said, please respect your parents. They didn't grow up with Google. Ouch. So true. Okay. Um, we did have Google. It was just in a very elementary form called the reference section and the card catalog. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Also, you can okay, argue. We have a curious mind and we actually use Google for what it was designed yeah. for versus but what do they use it for? They use it for YouTube. Social se- media. No, they look up stupid user- YouTube videos. I d- can I just tell you how many times? My son's 23 years old and I cannot tell you how many dumb videos he watched with his power. Right. Like, sure. So so I think that's really what we're trying to say is they've been born with power that they don't necessarily know how to use, like that superhero that has to come into their powers versus we appreciate it because we didn't have the superpowers when we were born. Just I I would turn that that sentiment around as we didn't grow up with Google, but we invented Google. So just say it's a lot easier to be a passive recipient of something than you guys serve son. I mean, like now whether or not microwave. (laughs) Three-way <laughs> calling. Was there just an action Okay, there? before the smartphone, do you know how many iterations of a Palm Pilot I went through, like the cheap booty versions mm-hmm. of them, before we got to this guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a lot of different devices that I had to go through and a lot of disappointing Christmases because I didn't get the real Palm Pilot before I got this. Okay. So I've been waiting for this guy. So I got, I got the smart, I got the iPhone when it came out. Like, that happened. Right? I did too. It the came out on my birthday. 12 year olds. 12 year olds did not get an iPhone in 2007. No. Now every 12 year old has one today. Mine does. But that's, but that's just dumb parenting. Just kidding. Oh! Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you can admit the dumb parenting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is, there, is every wow. podcast like this? <laughs> Yes, yeah. basically. Yes, you missed the last one. Okay, okay. So, so back to the gaming expo. Let's just like talk about. Sure. So, so we, well, we toxicity of the gaming we, expo is a yeah, great transition. Yeah, I love well, it. <laughs> we still have to touch on me too, but I, I just want to make sure like we get to this point where it's like we understand like who needs to come to this gaming expo. Like who's if like who should come and snoop around? I mean, even yeah. So I, I'm actually gonna, I'm, a, I'm going. I joked about it. But I'm going to make the jump from Toxicity to our expo. There we go. Because I'm extremely proud of the expo that we've made, the community that we have, because we do not have a toxic community. And that is because we are very, very clear on what the expectations are. Actually, I just had a uh, 
it's kind of funny. I had a uh, call today. I'm getting our speaker schedule organized. And um, we have this woman, D.B. Cooper, who's come like pretty much every year. She lives in Maine. She's How many a- years have you done this so far? Uh, this is year six. Six. Wow. You're awesome. I know, oh, right? Okay. Keep going. Um, she's, she's coming. Yeah. She's from Maine. She's a voice actor. Okay. And she just, she loves coming. And she was talking today about like, she's like, I just, this, this one part that we do every year. She's like, that is my favorite time of the year. She's like, that's the thing I look forward to most. I'm like, that's awesome. And she's like, and I also love that one photograph that you posted. I'm like, what photograph? And it's a photograph of um, this panel going on and DB's in there and there's like four other people, um, four men. And this, this one woman's talking and they're having a, uh, a conversation about music composition. And she's like, this encapsulates GDAX. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, it's four men, me, diligently listening to this woman talk. No one's on their phone. No one's looking away. No one's, you know, like they are into the conversation with this person. And I was like, that was just something I never really thought of. But I- I'm really proud that we've created that environment where like anybody can come in. They can feel like they can have a conversation and, and talk to people. And we, I mean, I, so there's this Midwest humble thing yeah. that I'm trying to get over. Yeah, we like it. I know. So I, Even I'm, those people up north. Yeah. So I'm trying to get better about like promoting our successes, right? Mm-hmm. So I am very, very clear on what I expect from people mm-hmm. and it's been rare but there have been times where just people are toxic or whatever and we're like you give them the chance like I'll sit down and I'll tell you that this is unacceptable and you need to understand that like I am talking to you and I am the the face of this community right and if you don't get the hint or understand what's going on, you are no longer a part of the community. Well we have to set the tone too I think you know even when we have our all woman technical conference it's like 95 98 women but even then you have to set the expectation like this is not a male bashing bashing syndrome correct or, or session right like yeah we're here in solidarity to promote women but any man that you see here is also here for that reason right absolutely and, and you have to announce that because if you don't it could get we learned our lesson the first year like if you don't set that expectation like hey ladies yeah. we're not here to judge we're not here to criticize we're out here to step outside of our comfort zone and also that men are welcome and it, it's a to, toxic, toxicity can happen in any environment even when you know people think that's a forum that they get that they have a right to and it's like you're constantly having to set that positive tone yeah well i mean there's definitely a difference between like wanting to move ahead in a constructive progressive way and just wanting to vent. Right. And yes. there's, there's different places. Like, I mean, everybody is free to vent about whatever they want and come back to it. But you know, one of the things that's going on now, you know, and I assume in your conference is like, well, women are 50% of the population. They should be represented. They should be a part of it. Right. But like men are also 50% of the population. So like hamstringing them and whatever is not going to get you where you want to go. Yep. Um, we, we did. Um, so we have a, um, a segment in every GX, it's called GDX Perspectives. And we try to bring people in that are offering some new insight or new look at the games industry. And it could be anything. So we'll, last year we had, um, uh, I don't know if you did, Dante Wood Spikes. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff in the community. He's really awesome. He came in and did a talk called Gaming While Black. And he brought in a couple of people from his community, like kids, to sit on this panel with him so that they could see that, like, oh, you can make games for a living. You know, there's, there's really exciting things. Three years ago, we had a, a panel about women in gaming, and it was moderated by a woman, Jesse Fox, who works at OSU, uh, who's super awesome. When it got to the Q and A section, 
this woman stood up and she's like, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. And everybody was like, what is the elephant in the room? <laughs> and she's like, you know, the fact that, you know, women aren't represented and like, you know, why aren't they a part of this? And there's only one session at GDEX rep for women. And we're like, well, first of all, that's factually untrue. But hmm. second of all, she asked that question in the main theater with GDEX perspectives, which there's only one of, like we selectively handpick one of. And Jesse was, she was very good at moderating. She's like, look, that's not why we're here. Like the, the, the point of GDEX is to be constructive and to help build people up. And we consider it a platform to help people be successful, whether it's startups or individuals or whatever. And, and on our website, we sort of have a, a code of conduct where like all of our sessions, we expect our sessions to be treated as college level conversations. And that means that we are going to handle difficult topics. We're going to handle controversial topics. And we expect everybody to be able to sit there and have a conversation without ripping somebody apart because it's just, it's just easy. Like with internet, you know, Twitter and everything. I'm taking notes. We need to have a code of conduct. (laughs) You definitely should feel free to steal ours. We should have that. We we, do. You have all sorts of notes going on over here. No, but I think that's essential. I I mean, like I said, like I said, we try to set the tone, but um, I think it's important that everyone have a, 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 they, they all feel safe to have conversation yeah. mm-hmm. and they're not going to be, you know, shamed or persecuted Absolutely. for their genders, rights or wrongs, right? right? Nobody wants to feel like crap going to these things. They want to stay in a positive mindset. Yeah. And we, we, I, I make sure that every speaker, there's only been one speaker that we let in that was a little like on the borderline and we're like, huh. But um, that sort of happened after the fact. But we, we emphasize that every talk needs to be constructive and move the industry forward, whether that's local or, you know, global. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it sounds like even just this variety, I mean, just the topics that you've slipped in, like musical composition, um, sounds like there's an enormous amount of creativity at this conference. And so you mix creativity and, and technical skills together. So it sounds like, you know, you might be a technical person and, you know, getting inspired by some of these conversations, getting outside, like it, you'll benefit from it. Right. Yep. I mean, and just like we were talking about where gaming, where applications are going, kind of letting a little gaming rub off on you is probably Please. a good yeah, thing. Come right? over and we'll rub off on you. Woo. Technical people are creative in their own rights. It's yeah. just, it's not always front facing, you know, but yeah, I, I Again, I, I really believe in, in our community. I think it's really strong, and, and there's a reason why. So like somebody like D.B. Cooper, she comes back year after year, and she'll come back. She wants to come in a day early so she can look for houses in Columbus because she loves being here so much and being a part of the show. And where is she based out of? Uh, Maine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she, you know, she's just an example. Like, And we – I don't know why this is. I mean, I, I can speculate, but, like, we've only paid – two people speaking fees in the entire six years we've done this people just love to come and and be a part of it and so i wanted to touch on me too again but then also bridging the gap in the community right like so you say we're tight-knit and i would i agree with you that columbus is an amazing technical community it's just like unlike anything i was living in chicago for a while and just the geography and everything just creates a lot of barriers right and and even just the segmenting of the city and and it made me think about why I liked living in Columbus and it was basically because of my network and the tight community and I couldn't imagine waiting to get back but I you know I kind of see like everyone's kind of like you know the city's growing rapidly and there's lots of pockets happening and a lot of people doing really awesome things like your gaming stuff and then we're doing women in tech stuff and there's women in digital and then there's you know drone user groups and 
FinTech uh, 71, uh, cap, in Rev1, like all these different pieces. You know, what do you think are the bridges for the coding or for the gaming industry? Like, how can we all intersect? Like, wh where do you see some opportunities for intersecting? And like, how can we make sure like people are div diversifying their footprint, right? That they're building those relationships and connecting into the gaming community. Uh, sure. So first off, I want to say like, I want women in tech more involved in GDEX. We're done. Like, we're there. Okay. Yeah, like, we're that's, totally. That's you didn't happening. have to invite us. We're all there. Okay. That's happening. Although the product conference. No, no, no. no the 24th. Okay. So done. how done. do you, um, <laughs> you know, so we would be so thrilled to have a presence um, this upcoming weekend. Okay. Whether it's, um, we have stickers, right? That we'd love to bring. We have um, flyers. We have a huge conference in November 5th in Cleveland. So we're branding out to other communities. So, um, okay. Yeah, Angie, we want to we wanna take note here that we would love to make a presence here at this, at this conference, right? I was going to just show up. I was like, is this like Comic-Con at all? Like, do I have to dress up? Are you just going to be like outside and like knocking on the door? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you have to pay. Like, like in um, right? Ghostbusters yeah. when uh, Rick Marinus is knocking on the door yeah. in the restaurant. Yeah. Like, that's going to be me. Okay. I'll try to control her. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So, in your, your trifecta of things that are happening in the gaming industry, you talked about Me Too, Gamergate, and toxicity. So... And they're not all happening right now. Not I, I all should, right I now. should emphasize. Oh, okay. It's sort of like a historical process. The historical process. process, right? So yep. Gamergate was first. It kind of was like the original kind of fake news, but in the gaming industry. And then that whole toxicity, people dissing people and all that kind of stuff. Well, so how does, where's, where's the connection with me too? You threw that out there. I'm just curious. So I, I think that, um, I think that me too is a counter force against a lot of this toxicity and sort of um, standardization and norming of like business practices and stuff where just like shit was acceptable, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that the Me Too movement as a sort of an idea is a pushback where it's like, you know, I don't have to do that. Like I'm, I'm allowed to go to a job and be good at it and not have to deal with this nonsense. But there's always like this barrage of like internet noise that just comes at everything right mm -hmm. i don't know how do you stop the internet noise other than just trying to be the best person that you can be and and i think that's ideally that's what the me too movement is supposed to represent like trying to be the best that we can be not just women but men and everyone like whether it's workplace or social or whatever like that's that's the whole thing of it i think where we're at now is like just in this weird balance where technology just the pure amount of of noise that can be created by technology is overriding a lot of people's better judgment and sense of self and everything. And I mean, we see that in politics in particular, we're seeing it in uh, social media, we're seeing it in just general pop culture, but I, I am an optimist and I firmly believe that like most people are good people at heart and they don't want to, they don't want to be mean. They're just trying to do their things. They're trying to take care of their family and themselves and whatever. And so I think whatever, like we open the technology floodgates, right? And like technology is just a mechanism to accomplish goals. Like it's not in and of itself a, a, an always good thing. It's just a tool. I think we open the floodgates of technology through Facebook and Twitter and other sorts of social media. 
and that just like somebody's opened the spigot and like all of this crap dumped out and it turns out that like all that stuff is not good all the time there's plenty of good things and obviously like having the ability to discuss ideas particularly in regions of the world that like are autocracies and like it's very difficult to group together and have common ideals that's where things like twitter and facebook and stuff are just instrumentally beneficial but it's kind of like the freedom of speech right like you can't not have it and then but you also when you do open your mouth and you say some stupid things societal's repercut you know society has a reaction to it right so yeah you got your free speech but you also have to deal with the people that you said it to (laughs) that doesn't know that doesn't omit the people that you hurt and their feelings, right? Like you're allowed to say what you want, but the feelings. And I think uh, just in general, technology has increased the amount of noise and access to everything. So it does make it difficult. But at a certain point, do you feel like we'll be desensitized or there will be less of it? I I think we are in the point in history where we'll figure that out. I honestly don't know. No, I, I think you're totally right. Like acting like an asshole on social media doesn't, prevent you from having repercussions no you know and then people talk about like as people are getting celebrities are getting contracts dismissed all the time because of that right just because Mm -hmm. you're accessible to something and you press the the send button and you put it out there doesn't make you any less in the limelight and responsible for your fan base right yeah freedom of speech only applies to the government like that's the government (laughs) is not allowed to interrupt your freedom of speech or freedom of religion but like there are societal implications there are business implications of what's going on um, I definitely think just as a general rule, like a little bit of forgiveness and understanding can go a long way. Cause yeah. I mean, well, on even the- on this podcast, like how many dumb things have we said, you know, <laughs> well, like- right. but you know, on the, yeah, Me Too she movement- did say dumb parenting by me. Yes, so I did. I did. No, but that's okay. I was guilty of it too. All right. So, so, but in the meat, so bringing back the me too movement, I mean mm-hmm. that, that in itself, I think, you know, while it's created a, a moment in history where, you know, we've said we're going to take a stand and we're not going to take the bullshit. It's also on the converse side, I think, from men that I talk to, they're saying, I don't know what I'm allowed to do now. I'm really scared. I don't want to say anything because I don't want it to be misconstrued. So it's so sure. so it's kind of like, Ooh. yeah, but that's probably just more of a reflection of like the times we're in where like, I think in all honesty, like we're not sure what anyone can say or do about anything like all of our and this is more a political conversation which will take up another hour <laughs> if we want to but <laughs> like poor darren I, we won't darren i mean just all no of worries. our but it is interesting though you can't lie right like this is an interesting conversation is it right? though yes, <laughs> <laughs> like i listen to shit like this all day <laughs> but but i'm just but yeah I, I think all of our cultural norms and stuff are just in this weird amalgamation and then but the other side of that coin is like a lot of our cultural norms were just like they were what we did because we did it and now we're questioning them yeah and and that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah so we're just questioning and there's we're pushing back on instead of just obeying is it because we have more leisure time to play video games perhaps probably just kidding Uh, (laughs) video games are not the cause of the leisure time. uh, but that's actually that's another thing that's like we should be building towards a society in which we work 20 hours a week and then we spend the rest of the time building ourselves up as better people. The problem is we're spending most of our free time just on nonsense and garbage. But What's the, true Okay, that, so true speaking that. of that, um, why does the gaming industry focus so much on violence? So I would say that the simple answer is that it sells 
Ah. You know, so a story I, I tell is I did a TEDx talk, uh, TEDx Columbus, nice. a couple of yeah. years ago. Thank you. And um, I remember I was in the green room, and uh, one of the other speakers came up to me, and she was talking to me, and she was like, "Long story short, she's like, in essence, I I don't think what you're doing is valuable. I think it's a waste of time, and I don't know why you're spending a career on it." And I was like, "Wow." Well, I was like, "Well, first of all, I'm about to go give my TEDx talk, so thank you for that." Yeah, what an asshole. But, Sorry, but I mean, like, only assholes do that right before someone's going to get ready to go yeah. on stage to a TEDx talk. Like, who does that? Yeah, talk about toxicity. Yeah, ouch. So the question I sort of turned back on her is like, do you consider this is this is how I asked it. Do you consider movies to be art? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Darren. Now, yes. Now would you answer that question the same way? Do you consider movies to be art if your only experience with movies was the advertisements you saw on TV? Um say ask the question again. Wait, say that again? Would you consider movies to be art if your only experience with movies no, no. was the ads you saw Commercial. on TV? No. So I think that that is a one of the core issues that we have is that the remember marketing, I said marketing versus yeah the remember we talked about like there's a bunch of small studios and a bunch of big ones mm-hmm. what's going on with technology these days is on the big studios they are spending so much money on a game so uh, one of the examples I use is the first Destiny we're now on Destiny two the first Destiny cost well let me take a guess how much you think that that game cost. The first, uh, first Destiny okay, it came out like five years ago, um, four years ago, something like that. I don't know. Five million. Five million. Okay. I was just gonna say a million. Wow, look at you go. Do you have a, do you have a guess? Darren, throw one out there. Ten. Yeah, ten I was gonna say so five or ten. One, five, and ten. Five hundred million dollars. <gasps> five hundred million dollars. Yeah, That's when you go di- shut the front door. <laughs> yeah. So it was. If you count development and and marketing, it was a half a billion oh. dollar product. So yeah, we're marketing talking agency. marketing. But still, I didn't think marketing. It was, was still two hundred and fifty, about two hundred and fifty million dollars to make half. it, yep. and then uh, so so if you're spending half a billion dollars on something, it needs to sell. Marketers can just ah drink, yeah. drink, drink, drink. Right, like and they it, can they can make you Frank the Tank any day. Yeah, and it's the same <laughs> thing when you see like trans, like how many Transformers movies are we like you know? Okay, but by the way, the interactive Transformers experience at Universal Studios is is it? Oh, is it? I'm going it, to Harry Potter World it, next month. It, like you're in a car and it like rips it apart and you feel like you're in a Transformers movies. I did the Harry Potter one, but that Transformers, Transformers one, is the way to go. Oh, it's nothing like it. Nothing I mean, like I, it. I saw the first Transformers in theaters. So, I'm do, like, so do gaming people do that? Like there's movies and there's that gaming, that interactive experience. You're making is that, me nervous. Is that, is that the same thing? Is gaming doing that or is it movies? Like, or is it the, the hybrid between the two? In terms of like having like a, um, Interactive experience. Like, I'm at Universal Studios, and I'm in a Transformer it, it's car, it's and it's, starting. like, ripping off, and I'm, like, in this experience, and it's kind of like I'm in a video game, but I'm in the movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's definitely, um, it's definitely starting. There's a, a big Nintendo um, thing that's going to be happening in California, like a big amusement park. Um, so that's definitely starting. But anyway, anyway, back to the thing. Like, the larger idea is just gaming itself has this, this again, mentality, this, this perception or whatever – but most of the games that you're seeing are the big heavy hitters. You're not seeing the nuanced things. Well, so it's like microbreweries, right? Like, so if I go to the store, I'm going to see like the mass, mass mm-hmm. Absolutely. beers, right? Like I'm getting, finally I'm getting a lot of Stella's and then of course the Bud, Budweiser. But now all the microbreweries and the local breweries are becoming yeah. popular. So how does one engage in a marketplace to experience these? It's, it's challenging. It, it, so it's probably only been 
let's say 15, 20 years in which game developers have been like the people who made and designed the game have had some sort of a naming recognition. So like we know who Steven Spielberg is, right? We know, you know, who Stanley Kubrick is or whatever. Like there's probably four really well-known game developers in the world. And that's just because as an industry, that's not something that we focused on, right? So that's part of it. Like we're starting to see like, oh, this is a collaborative work, but there are people who are really putting thought and, and, and um, their essence into these kind of things. Yeah, but I thought gaming was, um, because it's so strategic and you have to like, it's kind of like, oh, let me fool you, ha, ha, ha. Like, you know, like you're making it so challenging that you can't get to the next level and people have to buy the answers and all that kind of stuff. Not that I've ever done that before. Maybe I have. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, I thought that kind of pride would, go, but it's a collaboration of people, not just a person. Like masterminding at all, it sounds like. Well, it really depends. Like I, right now, we're seeing games that are being developed by, and it ranges. So, um, Call of Duty comes out every year. That's actually done by, it comes out annually. But there's actually three global studios that work on it, and they're on a three-year cycle. So by the time a Call of Duty game comes out, there's like fifteen hundred, two thousand people that have touched that game at some point. Okay. Right? So that's much different than a indie game in which it's a sort of labor of love by three people. And so, you know, a lot of games are I aren't call that love child. Love child? Yeah, I got a love child. I it's like commercial almost, commercialized. Call of Duty is so commercialized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's just like just Budweiser so, and Bud Light yeah. versus like the local brew IPA or, you know, whatever, right? I mean, it's kind of like that. And it's industry, like your right? well vodka versus your great gifts. No, 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 no. It's the local distilled <laughs> vodka because well vodka is also mass produced as well. Just at a very much lower margin. We're talking about things that I know about really well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to the vodka hour. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we got to wrap it up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We got to wrap it up. Poor Darren over here. I know. He's, he needs a potty break. Yeah. Um, okay. Chris, this might, I mean. Well, see, okay, first of all, let's talk about, oh what's, my gosh. Ma- what's Masurikon? Matt Surikon? Yeah, what's that? So we're strategic partners with them. It's an anime convention. Oh, because I, it says featuring the coolest guests, but I wasn't there. You're right. You, <laughs> that's right. I will make sure next year that that. No, we're is, happy because then I get to dress up. Absolutely. Yeah, Matt Surikon's got a ton of cosplay. You would totally love that. I Listen. Dirt we're going to have cosplay this year, too. That's what I was saying. Do I dress up? Because like, yeah, I'm like. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have right. competitions and everything. Really? So we want to do um, one last shout out for Chris and Gaming. Are we running game- out of tape? Is we that- are. Gaming Expo, <laughs> which is this coming weekend, the 29th and 30th. Mm-hmm. Dev Day the 28th. Dev Day the 28th. So this is like a three-day the expo is on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then de- our developer day is on. And we, again, we use developer broadly, so it, lots of different people. You don't have to be a programmer. Okay. All right. Fantastic. The GDEX. How much are tickets? Yeah. How much are tickets? Uh, weekend is sixty-five, and if you are a student or veteran, it's fifty. Okay. What about Friday? Uh, so Friday is eighty dollars, just straight up. Separate. Straight up. It's separate. A, yeah, so it's a separate you? ticket. Okay. It's a separate. Separate thing. Okay. okay. No, you cannot contact Angie and I. We have no inside connections on how to get in. 
We're just going to be knocking at the we're window, too. We're just going to show up. We're, we're going to have our boom boxes, and it's going to be <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be the 80s movies. Yeah. We're going to hope you guys hear us. So, That's awesome. Um, We've talked about this before. I'm more than willing to offer your, your listeners and or guests um, a discount. Really? If, if you want to talk offline. Will and deal. Yes, we will. We will. We, we will, will absolutely do that. So, all right. So, we're looking at the 29th and 30th, 28th Dev Day. This is exciting. This is it. I mean, sixth this is year. the week. I mean, this sixth is year. your sixth this, year. This is the sixth year, yeah. You can geek Congratulations. out. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, something that started as a small community endeavor. It's, it just it keeps never on trucking. Just, yeah. Columbus just, is awesome. It just never just stops, right? So, Chris, I yes. think Angie and I had a wonderful time. We did. We really did. And I um, literally feel like I could talk to you for like 20 more hours. I, I did too, yeah. <laughs> We covered a lot of love of God. No, (laughs) Darren's like, what the? We didn't get enough beer for this. Cut. (laughs) There's some angry orchards, by the way. Okay. (laughs) So um, maybe we bring Chris back, though. Yeah, I say we bring you back. I'm I'm happy to be here because I feel like we only like kind of cracked the open like yeah. the onion there's so many layers to there, you well i, feel, I don't know that like, yeah. i feel like we need wow. to peel back some layers okay i'm not saying you make me cry or that you smell funny i'm just saying there's a lot oh of layers. <laughs> <laughs> and and our special guest yeah baby girl baby, baby girl. girl she's baby lost girl. in the room oh she's down there she's but good. um she was she good. was lying hi. next to you for a while she was hi absolutely adorbs so um she's a good girl i'll send you a photo you can post it in the we yeah, sure notes if you want her professional like the 80s style yeah, she like, actually has an instagram picture. oh she does. yeah uh dog called baby dog called baby we all right columbus women in tech is gonna um, follow her now yeah I, I think there's a lot of exciting things columbus is a great city i think there are there's a lot of amazing ideas uh and people coming out so um if i can do anything to help spread the word help you guys out I appreciate you inviting me on. So we oh, appreciate well, we you. Appreciate You've been a you. pleasure. This Thank you so great. much. We're going to have to have a, a take two with Chris. There's so much information. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thanks again. Thank you. Yeah. After we go to your uh, conference, it's going to be game on. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I love terrible puns. We, I like big puns that I cannot. Lie. Multiverse is filled with puns. Oh Every other boy. sentence is a pun. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Chris, and we will see you at this coming weekend. Angie and I will be there yeah. in our costumes. GDX 2018. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitit.org.